Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the FACT Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I just want to say thank you to Genentech for sponsoring FACT's Roundtable podcast. In this episode, we're going to learn about Juneteenth from Kristen Osborne, FACT's Vice President of Education. She's going to explain this important holiday, and she's also going to share with us how her family stays allergen safe as they celebrate a very special day. Kristen, welcome to the FACT's Roundtable podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you back on the show today to discuss a really important holiday and then how your family honors and celebrates this day. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. I always enjoy our talks on the Roundtable podcast, and I look forward to talking about our new topic today. Excellent. Well, let's just go right in. Juneteenth is coming up on June 19th, but let's start with a history lesson as to what took place on June 19th in 1865. Juneteenth is the oldest celebrated holiday that commemorates the end of enslaved people in the United States. And before we discuss the importance of Juneteenth, we have to go back in history a little bit and talk about what happened in 1863. For all of the history buffs out there, we know in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation that changed the legal status under federal law for over three and a half million enslaved African Americans. I'm going to read straight from the proclamation. And it starts that on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforth and forever free in the executive government of the United States, including the military and Navy authority thereof will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them and any efforts that may make for their actual freedom. Now, this was a huge, huge step for the president to declare in 1863, because essentially it's saying that the enslaved people were free. And fast forward to June of 1865, we are still working to make sure that every enslaved person in the United States knows that they are free. And it took a very long time, over two years, to get everyone notified. And in June of 1865, General Granger and his troops landed in Galveston, Texas, and notified the enslaved people there that they were finally free. And this is important because they were the last of the enslaved in the country to know 
that the proclamation was created several years ago. And even though the proclamation happened two years ago, these people were the last to know. It was important for them to celebrate their freedom. So because of that, we have what's called Juneteenth now. But Juneteenth is also referred to as Jubilee Day, Emancipation Day, Celebration Day, and all of these things are quite important for the African-American community because it really commemorates the day that we all are free. Thank you for giving us that historical background. But I have to say, as you were speaking, in my mind, I was actually trying to just see what that would feel like to know that there was some information that passed that was just life critical, that was just absolutely critical, but that it took two years to get to me. What an amazing moment. It was. I think in the same sense, we look at it now with 2021 eyes. I just wonder what feeling my ancestors had back in 1865. And I don't know that it's a feeling that anyone could even articulate. Because you think if there's a proclamation given by the president, it starts and people obey it. But that's not what happened. And unfortunately, emancipation didn't happen overnight. And it took military force to notify everyone. And it's just, in my eyes, it's kind of devastating to know that it took that long. But thank goodness they were notified. I just wonder what the feelings were. I can only think of words like jubilation or freedom or... I'm getting a little teary-eyed just thinking of what that means for families. Because when you're enslaved, you don't have a family. It's just you and your family might have been sold off. To know that everything that you had hoped and wished and, and fought for, it happened, you would think was a new beginning or turning a page on history and discovering more about Juneteenth, I've had conversations with my grandparents and my parents, and they talked about how their grandparents really discussed Juneteenth and how it impacted them and how it was the one time in the year that everyone came back home to fellowship and to have fun and to catch up on life. It is such an emotional reflection for me to think back on what happened that day. Actually, I'm just honestly just speechless. Yeah, it's definitely an emotional time. Unfortunately, 2021, we're still dealing with emotional things. For me, it was a very emotional experience to really sit in my feelings and think about what happened. And I'm just thankful that there were ancestors of mine out there who made it possible for me to do what I'm doing today. Beautiful. And I can't even begin to thank you for bringing us to this amazing information and to helping us understand this amazing day. Let's learn more about Juneteenth. How was this important day traditionally honored and celebrated in the modern times? You mentioned earlier that it's a time for people to come home and come back together for fellowship. So far this year, I've seen people preparing to celebrate with art and cultural education. Can you help us understand, are there any specific traditions that are enjoyed by everybody or what's happening now? What's taking place this year? Last year, if we can go back just one year, I think 2020 was pivotal for many because I believe a lot of people weren't familiar with Juneteenth. This year, we are hearing more and more people have educated themselves and really understand about 
this holiday, Juneteenth would not be here without family at its core. At the end of the day, there are lots of celebrations around the country, like parades and rodeos and talks. And there are a lot of virtual events that are happening as well, whether it's a communication or whether it's a talk about food and how it impacts our culture or what we can do as a community to look forward and educate about the issues that are facing Blacks today. But First and foremost, Juneteenth is about family and it's about freedom and our ability to impart our culture and our history on our children and our community. For me, Juneteenth is always about the delicious food and the fellowship I have with my particular family. I can remember growing up and every summer we would get together with my grandparents my sister and my aunts and my uncles and my cousins, we would all get together at my grandparents' house and have a celebration. And it included food, all kinds of delicious food. I live in Virginia, so we're talking shellfish and delicious steak and and hot dogs and hamburgers for the kids, all kinds of salads and potato salads and things that my grandmother made when she was younger and her mother taught her potato jacks, which are kind of like a hand pie, but with delicious sweet potato filling in it. That's what Juneteenth meant for me, really a celebration to connect with my family and to talk about life. And as a child, I really didn't realize how impactful those days were for me, because as I get older and I create my own family and traditions, I take from that so many different memories that I've helped my kids create uh, throughout the years. When you think about Juneteenth and you hear people talk about it, just know that at the core of it, it's about family and your community. And when we all can get together and learn more about what each other is going through, it helps our community strengthen, bond, and stand together. This is an incredibly powerful, powerful holiday. Now, you mentioned food. Are there traditional foods that are part of the celebration and the power of the day? Obviously, for you and your family, food was a central part. But overall, how does food play into this? Like any holiday, fellowship and food are a large part of how we celebrate. You know, culture is celebrated primarily by food, how it's eaten, how it's served, how it's cooked. And the traditions of Juneteenth have been passed down from generation to generation. And many foods eaten during Juneteenth are symbolic. Red foods like strawberry pie or shortcake, watermelon, and strawberry soda are served at Juneteenth celebrations because the color represents grit, determination, resilience, the fight for freedom of the enslaved, and it is important to have all those things. I mean, there isn't a Juneteenth without strawberry soda. (laughs) I think that's what is the cherry on the celebration day, strawberry soda. And Juneteenth isn't complete also without someone in charge of the grill. I mean, usually it's an uncle or an aunt or a mom or a dad or an expert grill master, someone you know that isn't going to walk away from the grill and burn the uh, ribs because that's very important. What I remember is the aroma of the charcoal, how 
the crackle of the grill sounds when it's searing vegetables or fish or any kind of delicious food. Those sounds mean freedom to me. The laughing I hear, the music that's played, those are all sounds of freedom and family. And typically when there is a Juneteenth celebration, foods like barbecue are pretty front and center, whether it's brisket or other soul foods like fried chicken, fried fish, collard greens. I mean, my grandmother would be remiss to say if you didn't have collard greens at a Juneteenth celebration, you're not celebrating. Sweet potatoes seasoned with goodness like cinnamon, butter, sugar, mac and cheese. The key to a mac and cheese is it's always made by your aunt. Potato salad, deviled eggs, cornbread are all the savory foods. If we talk about desserts, we're thinking red velvet cake, sweet potato pie, cherry pie, pineapple pound cake, chocolate cake. Ugh, I'm hungry. (laughs) But these are all just a few staples that are at traditional Juneteenth celebrations. And again, you can't celebrate without friends, without family, and without food. I'm absolutely drooling. I want to just be part of this. How amazing. Come on over. We'd love to have you this June. Okay, now you need to be careful there. If I can find my way, <laughs> I will show I, up. <laughs> I'm notorious for inviting any and everyone, and you're my friend, so obviously you're welcome anytime. I love that. Thank you. So now turning directly to the Osborne family, I've watched you on social media over the years, and every holiday You are just amazing. I actually look for your social media on the holidays. So now looking at Juneteenth, how are you going to create an allergen safe celebration? You mentioned a lot of yummy foods that I know contain some of your family's allergens. So how are you going to make this happen? Thank you, Caroline. That's such a compliment. I really appreciate that. Um, For us, we plan on, I always poll the kids. I ask them, hey, guys, what do you want this year? And I start with what would you like, even if it may have something traditionally that has an allergen in it that they can't have, because we're all about finding a way and making a way. So if there's something that we can't have, we adapt it. And first and foremost, our main star of every Juneteenth celebration is my chia seed fried chicken recipe. And I have to tell you, it's Kristen fried chicken and it's good. And one of killing me. Oh, (laughs) I want that so bad. It's so, so, so crunchy and flaky and juicy. And I typically, when you make fried chicken, you use wheat flour, buttermilk or milk and egg. And all of those things are things that we can't eat in our home. So over the years, I've created my own special recipe. And instead of an egg wash, I use chia seed and water as an egg binder. And chia seed is an amazing substitute for an egg binder in fried chicken because it crisps really, really well when it's fried. The chia seeds look like little sprinkles of pepper in the batter. So it gives it this great look aesthetically and it tastes quite delicious. And then instead of a wheat flour for the breading, I use a rice flour, mix it with lots of different spices and herbs. 
I serve it to my family, but it's my favorite thing to make year-round for anyone who would like to challenge how gluten-free food may taste. And then I give them the test of a good fried chicken recipe. Also for our family, we like to create new memories and new recipes. So one of the new recipes that we made was a variation on a mac and cheese. So I don't know if you're familiar with mac and cheese, but in the South, it's kind of like the Holy Grail. And there are a lot of discussion on how a proper mac and cheese should be made, whether it's made with a roux and then kind of baked on the oven top or baked inside the oven or having things added to it. But for us, the classic way and the way that my grandmother told us is to make it in the oven. You don't add anything funny to it. It's just pasta and cheese and seasoning. And so we have our own variation of mac and cheese that we make and have at our event. I know sometimes at some celebrations, there's fried fish and ugh, just the flakiness of a good fried fish with some hot sauce is just mouth-watering delicious. But unfortunately, my husband has a fish allergy, so that's not something we typically have. But if you were to attend a Jubilee celebration with someone else and they are frying fish, you might want to ask, is this fish going to be fried inside? Is it fried outside? Because obviously having a fish allergy, frying it inside would pose an issue for someone with a fish food allergy. So it's always important to question in advance what foods are going to be served, what foods will be available to eat. And then if we're not hosting, we always bring our own plates And then we make several dishes for our family and then a dish or two for everyone else to enjoy so I can share with them our spin on allergy-friendly foods. Once again, I am drooling and thinking, how can I get my summer vacation to take a little (laughs) turn to Virginia? That's wonderful. I mean, I come from a culture myself where food is such a central part of it and finding those food allergy solutions are just key and they really do make memories. They do. Oh my goodness. The the kids uh, talk about so many memories and, and each year I ask them, you know, what was their favorite food they had? And hands down, most of the time it's the fried chicken. I have this vision of you having a restaurant someday and your face is up on a billboard. (laughs) And the restaurant, it'll be called Nanny's because that's what we call my grandmother. She was the cook in our home. She cooked everything, would wake up early in the morning, cook and cook and cook. And then she would cook for people at church and she would bring them plates for dinner. She just was the matriarch of our home and family. And oh my goodness, without her, I don't know that I could make a gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free, crispy, chia seed chicken recipe. That is so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. What suggestions would you have for listeners who want to uplift Juneteenth as an ally? To participate in education is key. To make sure that we all understand what this holiday commemorates, what it is all about. Listen to podcasts, read books, share books with your children on Juneteenth, share books with your neighbor, your friend, share it on social media, not just in your social sphere, but also once you learn something, share it with others. Because I think 
it's important for everyone to better understand why this holiday is important. Because we're talking about a group of people that were enslaved in our country. It is our history. And now we talk about how we can continue to have communities flourish. But education is the first start. And once you are educated, sharing that education is also key. I mentioned sharing in your social groups, but also really taking time to learn from others. And there are times where I'm unfamiliar with how a culture or religion may celebrate something. And I do my own due diligence of reading and looking and searching. And then I kind of follow up with a conversation with a friend and say, this is what I'm thinking. Can you help me better understand? And that's not always necessary, but the key is to do your own research and education and then share it with others. You did that with me asking about how I celebrate Eastern Orthodox Easter. Yes, it's such a fascinating conversation. And I feel like when we can learn from each other, we create a stronger bond as a community and we can grow. We have empathy for each other. We understand how we can help each other celebrate and uplift each other. And and that's really important in this day and age. Oh, absolutely. I fully agree and believe it's just critical for our success as we move forward. Well, this has been just fascinating and amazing and uplifting and inspiring. But before we wrap up today, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? As a food allergy family and as a family who celebrates Juneteenth, I recognize that our ancestors have passed down so many traditions of family, celebration, food, and that we too, as our family of 2021, have the opportunity to contribute to that history. And our family story will be added. The chia seed crispy fried chicken will be talked about for future generations. And as a food allergy family, know that your impact and what you do and how you create those memories are pivotal and important to the heritage and culture of your own family. So don't be afraid to get in the kitchen, make a mess, try something new, and then add that as the new fabric to your family quilt. Thank you for leaving us with just some amazing, inspiring words. I look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. I always leave just uplifted after a wonderful conversation with you. So I can guarantee our listeners are feeling the same. Thank you, Caroline. I really enjoy being able to help. Before we sign off today, I just want to take one more moment to say thank you to Genentech for sponsoring Facts Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.